Hello everyone and welcome back to But Did They Do It podcast. I am your host McKinley Daw and I hope you guys are all having an amazing week. If you can't tell, the audio quality of this episode should be leaps and bounds better than last week's episode and every episode before this one because I just got a brand new microphone and I, if you can tell the difference, which I hope you can because I can, but it's so good. I love it. Um, it is one of those fancy ones. It has like a bendy arm so that I can move it just so it's like right in front of my face so I don't have to like hold my $20 tiger, t- tiger target microphone and try and scroll and read and talk all at the same time. So hopefully the quality of episodes just goes up from here. Um, let me, if you have any thoughts, DM me on Instagram. Let me know if you think it's better, but hopefully everyone can actually notice the difference, but let's just hop into today's episode. Domestic and dating violence is pretty prevalent in today's society. In fact, in the United States, 19% of teenagers experience sexual or physical dating violence. About half of those teenagers face stalking or harassment, and as many as 65% report being psychologically abused. While these statistics are obviously very real, they seem so far from being prevalent to you or anyone you know. And I would argue that the girl we're going to talk about today thought the same. This is the case of the murder of Emma Walker. Emma Walker was a teenage girl who seemed to be living the dream. She was dating the older guy on the football team, and she was a cheerleader and honor student at Central High School in Knoxville, Tennessee. From the outside, her life obviously looked absolutely perfect. That was until it wasn't. As a freshman in high school, Emma began dating junior Riley Gall. Riley was a top student and he loved to play video games. His friends said that he wasn't the classic jock type and that he was even on the nerdier side. He was just normal. Even Emma's parents said that their first impressions of him were pretty positive. Emma's friends said that she seemed happy with Riley in the beginning. They said that he was normal and that he didn't really talk to Emma's friends a lot, but they just kind of took that as him being shy. Even her social media accounts were filled with pictures of them together. In one post, she even put in the caption, look how lucky I am. After a while, though, Emma's friends began to get concerned. Riley began to get more controlling, and he would only let Emma hang out with him. Emma's friends said that he became more possessive and clingy towards her as well. But despite all of this, for the next two years, even after Riley had graduated and had gone to play football at Maryville College nearby, they were dating on and off. And there were some crazy things that Emma's friends and families detailed about Emma and Riley's relationship in an ABC News article. So I'm going to tell you guys a few of them just because while they're not like entirely essential, some of them, it is, it just goes to show how absolutely crazy this story is. Emma's mom said that while Emma and Riley were dating, Riley would always comment on what Emma wore. 
and he would tell her that she should wear that or she shouldn't wear that. That was too tight. That was too revealing. Stuff like that. Not entirely his place. It even got like to the point in their relationship where Riley would wait outside the grocery store where Emma worked for hours on hours to just, I don't know, keep an eye on her, wait for her to get off, make sure no other guys were near her. Riley would even send Snapchat messages to Emma saying things like, quote, I hate you. I hate everything about you. I, you're the biggest B word I've ever come in contact with. He even went as far as to say to her, you're dead to me. I'll see your name in the obituary. What the crap? Who says that? Let alone to someone they're dating, but just to anyone in general. He obviously, Riley obviously has some issues and he obviously has a violent side. And I mean, we'll see more of that side later, but that's an insane thing to say. Like, you're dead to me. I'll see your name in the obituary. That's insane. But for every nasty message that he sent Emma, there then followed a quick apology saying things like, Emma, I'm sorry for however I act and I love you more than words can describe. That is manipulation if I've ever seen it. So when Emma's parents found out about the Snapchat messages and the him waiting outside of her workplace, they weren't super impressed and they banned Riley from coming to their home and they took away Emma's phone to keep them from talking. But that didn't really stop them. Riley gave Emma an iPod that she texted him from when she had Wi-Fi. Emma's parents tried to get her to break up with Riley several times, pleading with her to just rid him from her life. But her parents said that he had this way of isolating her and making her think that he was the only person that mattered or cared for her. During Halloween time in 2016, when Emma was a junior and Riley was a freshman at the nearby Maryville College, Emma's parents had enough. They grounded her and only allowed her to go to school and cheer to kind of combat that isolation that Riley was doing to her. They monitored everywhere she went and it seemed to work. And her parents said that she began to seem like her old self again. Emma even texted one of her friends that her and Riley were done for good and they were never getting back together ever again. But on Riley's side, things weren't going too well. While in his college dorm, he swallowed a bunch of Vicodin pills and then washed them down with alcohol in an unsuccessful attempt to commit suicide. His friends at school said that Riley would have intense mood swings where he would talk about being depressed and wanting to hurt himself and then he'd be fine the next minute. So just kind of a roller coaster of intense emotions that Riley is going through after the breakup. Then bigger things started to happen. Not that him being depressed and trying to commit suicide isn't big, but more big things in the sense of the stalking and everything that comes along with that. On Friday, November 18th, 2016, Emma went to one of her friend's houses to hang out. 
At around 11.30, her friend Zach Green arrived at the house to hang out with everyone, and Emma pulled him aside. And she pulled out her phone and says to him, like, Zach, I've been receiving these strange text messages. It's from a number that I don't recognize. I don't know what to do. These messages said things like, quote, come outside alone if you don't want to see a loved one get hurt. And go to your car with your keys. Go alone. And I've got someone you love. If you don't comply, I will hurt them, end quote. Zach told Emma that, like, hey, you, this is scary, but honestly, it's probably one of Riley's friends playing a prank on you just for breaking up with him. So she texted back and threatened to call the police. But after that, the text just got worse. They didn't stop. And the text that followed her threat to call police said, quote, if you'd like to hear his crying and screams, give him a call. Eventually, the text said that they had dropped Riley outside the house where they were hanging out at. So Emma and Zach go outside and they see a body laying face down in a ditch near the house. So obviously they're like, what the heck? So thanks to the lights on the street, they walk over and they could see Riley lying there. He was the body in the ditch that they were seeing. And he seemed to be confused and disoriented. He's acting this way, at least. And Emma asked him, like, dude, what are you doing here? outside this house like how did you know I was here and he starts off with me like oh I don't know how I got here I got kidnapped someone dropped me off here and I don't know what's happening and he even went as far as to like hold and rub the side of his head like oh as if he had gotten hit upside the head this man is milking it and Emma just told him like Riley we are broken up you need to leave me alone like Clearly, her and Zach were not buying this kidnapping story. They thought, this is absolutely ridiculous. There's no way someone kidnapped Riley and dropped him off outside the home that I'm hanging out with friends at. Like, the only person that would have known that is somehow Riley knew that. I'm not sure how he found that out, but no one really believes this kidnapping story. So, with the defeat that he's feeling after not getting Emma's attention... Riley walked down the street alone and called his friend and was like, hey, dude, so I was kidnapped, total BS, and I need a ride because I am in this neighborhood and I don't have my car. And his friend was like, dude, you're so full of it. I don't believe that you were kidnapped. That's ridiculous. And then he's like, well, if you were kidnapped, then you should call the police but Riley refused to get the police involved in his supposed kidnapping. So after that, Emma just ended up staying the night at that friend's house, and she returned home the following morning. So she wasn't home for long when she ended up texting her friends, saying that there was a stranger at her doorstep. And the text said, Quote, I'm home alone and somebody in all black walked down my street and came to my door and rang the doorbell over and over again. I thought I was going to die. End quote. In the stress of the stranger showing up at her doorstep, Emma had a moment of weakness where she felt that she needed someone to come protect her. 
So she texted Riley, I hate you, but I need you right now. And Riley texted back saying, I'm coming, I'm speeding, just give me a minute. So Riley is on his way to save Emma from the supposed men in all black that's at her doorstep. When Emma didn't meet up with her mom that morning like they had planned, her mom went back home to see what was going on and she found Riley in her front yard. So she pulls up into the driveway I'm sure she's thinking, what the heck is this kid doing here? We banned him from my house. Like, my daughter's not dating him anymore. Why is he here? So her mom pulls up. She goes up to him and politely asks him to leave. But he tells her, no, I'm here to help Emma, and I need to make sure that she's okay. There was this guy, blah, 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 blah. And her mom is like, Riley, you know you're not allowed at our house, and you you need to leave. And so at that point, he left. Emma was obviously visibly shaken because she thought that it was a burglar or a stalker that was knocking at the door trying to get her. And Emma's mom, rightfully so, was convinced that Riley was involved with both events that had occurred, meaning the kidnapping and the man wearing all black showing up at their door. But Emma was very adamant that it wasn't him that he wouldn't do something like that. After that, everything seemed to go back to normal. Riley wasn't contacting Emma as far as anyone knew, and he wasn't coming up with any big schemes and crazy elaborate ideas to get her attention. That was until Monday, November 21st, 2016, when Emma's mom walked into her daughter's room to wake her up but couldn't wake her up i'm sorry this is like really sad i can't imagine this so she her mom checked for a pulse and when she couldn't find anything she called 911 emma was pronounced dead at the scene and it was clear that she had been dead for some time now there were two shell casings outside the home that investigators knew were fired by the same suspect same gun One bullet had hit Emma behind her ear, and the other had lodged into her pillow. When investigators began to interview Emma's family and friends, the same name kept coming up over and over again. Riley Gall. You need to check out Riley Gall. Riley took to social media to mourn Emma after her death, posting tweets and a lengthy Facebook post about her. In one tweet, he wrote, quote, rest easy now, sweetheart. I love you forever and always, end quote, which by the time we get to the end of the story, you will feel how sick that this tweet makes me. Emma's friends and family were devastated. The night after she died, there was a candlelight vigil held at Central High and her fellow cheerleaders released balloons in her memory at that week's football game. However, Riley's friends became concerned with his well-being. After Emma's death, his friends went to detectives with a secret Riley had shared. Alex McCarty was the friend that Riley had shared the secret with, and he said that Riley came to him the day after Riley's alleged kidnapping and told Alex that he stole his grandpa's gun because he was scared for his life. He reassured Alex, like, I'm not suicidal, I promise, I'm just scared of the people who kidnapped me. 
or who supposedly kidnapped him. But one of his other friends told detectives that Riley had asked him how to get fingerprints off a gun. What the heck? Who asked their friend? In the age of technology, this is 2016, Google it. I mean, not that I'm like, I'm not trying to get any of that. No one should be Googling that. End of story. No one should be Googling how to get fingerprints off a gun. But if you're thinking you're going to do what you're going to do, don't ask someone. Like, Riley went to him and said, like, hey, dude, asking for my roommate, how do you get fingerprints off a gun? If my, one of my friends came to me and asked me that, I'd be like, what the? I'd probably, I would be like, why are you asking me that? That's insane. Why would you need to know that? But his friend was like, dude, obviously I don't know that. Never ask me that ever again. Don't ask me anything like that again. And Riley was basically like, yeah, like I thought it was weird too. Yeah, it's because it is weird, Riley. So the detectives brought Riley in for questioning on Monday to ask about his whereabouts during the previous 72 hours. Riley said that he thought he had spent Friday night at his friend Noah Walton's house, um, but he, I mean, he said he thought he had spent that night at his friend Noah Walton's house, but he continued to tell detectives that throughout the weekend he had been trying to get in contact with Emma, but she wouldn't engage with him. He also said that Emma told him that if he could help her write a paper, that she would talk to him. So on Sunday night, he used one of his friend's phones to call her. He said that the call didn't go so well, and it ended with Emma blocking the number he was calling her from. Riley said that he went over to his grandparents' house for a while and then drove back to college that same night, where he broke down and cried in his car for two or three hours over Emma breaking up with him. Like, that's insane. I mean, we all cry in our car. If you tell me that you've never cried in your car, I don't believe you. Everyone's done it. But two or three hours? That's crazy. Anyways, but one thing that I found eerie and not shocking, but eerie, was that during the two-hour interrogation, Riley never referred to Emma by her name. He refused to call her by her name. He only referred to her as the girl. Like, for example, in part of, um, in an excerpt from the interrogation, Riley said something like, that morning, the girl texted me. The detective asked, who's the girl? And he goes, the girl that passed away. They dated for two years, and this man refuses to call her by her name. Red flag. He's trying to distance himself from her. He doesn't want to be associated with her. He wants it to seem like he barely knows her and has no connection to her, even though he had been stalking her for weeks, and they dated on and off for two years. And even Detective James Hurst said that when he first met Riley, his first impressions were, oh, like, 
poor, like, grieving boyfriend. But when they sat him down in the interview room and started to talk to him, the detective felt that Riley had a dark side to him. So that's already becoming apparent. And detectives also said that Riley's interview was one of the most disconnected that they had seen. Like, it seemed like it was rehearsed and almost deliberate. So, they continued the interview, and when Riley was asked about the gun, he denied knowing where it was or that he had it. He denied showing it to Alex, and he also denied asking his friend about removing fingerprints from a gun. Crazy. So, the detective says, okay, great. Deny whatever you want. Letta, can we see your phone? And Riley at that point asked, like, am I a suspect? And the detectives asked, should you be? It's a valid question. Should you be a suspect? Do you have a reason for us to believe that you are one? Clearly he thinks he is one, um, or he wouldn't be asking that. Just a thought. But after that, Riley's like, oh, no, like... I didn't have anything to do with it, and he just continues to deny having anything to do with Emma's murder. So Riley's two friends, Noah Walton and Alex McCarty, got in contact with police and basically asked, is there anything that we could do to help you guys retrieve the gun? Like what everyone at this point believed was the murder weapon from Riley. Can we help you? So the cops bring him in. They're like, okay, like, we really appreciate your help, but they lay out all the risks, all the things that could go wrong, but the boys didn't care. They were like, no, we we still want to do it. So just one day, these detectives are moving fast, which I really appreciate. Just one day after Emma's murder, the detectives wired both of the boys up with microphones and a transmitter, and they also had a video camera that was hidden in a key fob. And unfortunately, there wasn't a lot of detail as to exactly what happened during this sting operation, but clearly it was successful, and Riley was arrested. The gun was recovered, as well as gloves and black clothing that pointed to Riley being the man dressed in black, who was mysteriously at Riley's door the Saturday morning before she was killed. A few years later, in May 2018, Riley's trial began, and Riley's defense attorneys argued in court not that he didn't kill her, but more that he hadn't meant to kill her. He had just fired the gun into her room to try and scare her and get her attention. Wesley Stone, Riley's attorney, told 2020 in one of their episodes, quote, He never intended to cause her harm, never intended to cause her death. Consistent with her reaching out to Riley regarding the event Saturday morning, he was attempting to get her to ask him for help again, sort of to be her protector. It's been in his heart, it's been in his mind, it's been in just about everything about him. Every day for the rest of his life, wherever that may be, he will have to live with that reality, end quote. Stone also denied that Riley was the man dressed in black, which I think is BS. 100% he was, or it was one of his friends. Either way, he was in on it, clearly. After just five hours, just five hours of deliberation, 
The jurors came back and found Riley, who was 19 by that time, guilty of first-degree murder, stalking, theft, reckless endangerment, and being in possession of a firearm during a dangerous felony. And in the state of Tennessee, a first-degree murder conviction carries an automatic life sentence. So he automatically gets life in prison. At Riley's sentencing hearing, he apologized to the Walkers for killing their daughter, but also stuck by his defense that it was an accidental shooting. He said, quote, I'm sorry I took Emma away from you, that I robbed you of the experience of watching your daughter grow up. What I can do is tell the truth about that night. I wanted to scare her. I never meant to take Emma's life. Again, I am sorry, end quote. Riley has since tried to appeal his conviction, but all appeals have been denied. So, while it's clear that Riley did kill Emma, do we really believe that it was accidental? This is where the, but did they do it question comes in. Do we think he went there with the intent to kill her or just to scare her? And in my opinion, I hate to play devil's advocate, but I think he went there just to scare her. It is consistent without throughout the things that he did previously they were all to scare her and get her attention i don't think he ever really wanted to physically harm her more than to scare her though obviously he did have a lot of the hallmarks of someone who eventually escalates to murder in a lot of cases the stalking and the like psychological abuse in relationships Oftentimes, that can lead to murder. And obviously, everything that he did was wrong. But I think the fact that he shot the gun from the outside of the house shows that he didn't mean to kill her. Because it is insane to me that he shot the gun from outside the house and killed her. Like, what are the odds of that? That just seems insane. Obviously, he knew where her room was. He knew where to shoot. But... I'm sure it was like a decently sized room. What were the chances of it hitting her in the head? It just blows my mind. I think if he really had the intention to kill her when he went there, he would have just gone into the house and done it. I don't think he would have stood outside the house and taken his chances that it wouldn't have hit her. But honestly, does it matter? Because if he did or did not mean to kill her, he still did. And it was still, everything he did is still very wrong. And even if he didn't have the intent to do it, I, like, he stole the gun. He obviously had intent to harm her in some sort of way. Maybe not killing her, but like to scare her, obviously. But I still think he deserves to spend the rest of his life in prison. And those are my thoughts on it. But the most important thing to remember, though, is the life of Emma Walker. Emma's mom, Jill Walker, hopes that what happened to her daughter can also serve as a warning to others who may be in tumultuous relationships. Jill Walker said that, quote, if your boyfriend or girlfriend is telling you you can't go there or what to wear or who to hang out with, who to talk to, it's not okay. I think when they become quiet and withdrawn, it's a big sign too. It's not just bruises. It's emotional and controlling, end quote. 
Emma was a beautiful person with a caring soul. She was loving and kind to everyone. She loved animals and wanted to be a NICU nurse. Now they have successfully named a dog park and a NICU patient room at East Tennessee Children's Hospital in her honor. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and TikTok at But Did They Do It Pod. And I'll be sure to post pictures of Emma and all other things associated with the case on Instagram. So go take a look at that. And also be sure to leave us a five-star review on whatever platform you listen on because that would really help the podcast. But have a great rest of your week, you guys. I'll be back in a few weeks with a brand new episode. Bye.